each one that's joined with us online. Pray that God will bless you richly, and we're looking forward to the word. Brother Tim Dodd will be speaking to us, and praise God. Maybe we could sing, uh, Fill My Way Every Day with Love. Let me walk, blessed Lord, key of F, I believe. <clears throat> Let me walk, blessed Lord, in the way thou hast gone. done traveling we'll dwell with our lord and savior jesus christ amen soon the race will be yours and i'll travel no more but i'll abide in my home above
everybody said, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. Glory be to Jesus. We are victorious. We're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Amen. Brother Tom's going to take us to the throne of grace. He's got uh, prayer requests and things. Um, I'll just let you read uh, read the prayer requests and while they play this softly. And we want to go to prayer in victory. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Nice to see your faces. Looks like you got to the ticket station early, and that's nice to see you here, all different ones of showing up on different services, and that's so nice to see your faces this morning. We have a great treat. We have the camp all set up. It's all um, the saints have gathered there like we are here, and they're seeing us. I, they're going to somehow move the system so we can see them, I think, well, Brother Tim is ministering. But it's a, it's a great uh, conquest that the brothers have done. And uh, Brother Jonathan Frey has worked uh, just endlessly trying to make this work with Brother Michael. And uh, I think Brother Tom Frey and a different one's been at camp to make this possible. And I, I'm sure they're as happy to be together this morning as we are here to be in the church of God to see one another. And God bless you all. And we've got many uh, requests. Um, this morning, I think they're going to show a, um, a slide here of a young couple that got married yesterday and that beautiful bride, <laughs> sister Anna Hope St. John is no longer, she is sister Anna Hope Lovell and brother Jeremy and sister Anna Hope were married yesterday on July the 18th, 2020. At a nice small gathering, uh, Brother Jeremy uh, Lovell's family made it up from Phoenix, which would make that very special event to have, of course, your parents there and your family, your loved ones. So it was a very special day for them. And Brother Jeremy is really uh, a fine, wonderful young man. And, and I, that's what the message produces. I uh, clean cut. Just I remember he wanted to meet me at the car and he was waiting there so patiently as different ones were greeting and finally he's standing there just as bright as the silver dollar and I looked at him and I go, okay, you must be Anna Hope's fiance and sure enough he was and just a, a very um, gentleman. He's a, just a fine gentleman. So they had a wonderful day yesterday. Brother John Andes married them, had a little small gathering. Beautiful Pacific Northwest day it was it was a picturesque day and and we're we want to keep them in our prayers i know we prayed for them through the day that they would have a wonderful uh wedding and and indeed they did um now as we get ready for our, our requests we have a number of uh requests we need to remember brother donnie reagan uh, had sent us a, a request here yesterday and uh, he's got urgent call to all prayer warriors. And I believe this church is full of them. Uh, my daughter, Erica, she is 40 years old. She has uh, two sets of twins. The oldest set has just turned 14. The youngest is 12 set, 
or 12 uh, as, uh, twins. They found a tumor on Erica's liver. The doctor said it didn't start there and began somewhere else. So they're going to have to do some more tests, and he's uh, recommended a second opinion. He says, we need a miracle. And if it was my daughter, of course, we would want to send this to the bride around the world. He said, we need a miracle. She had a PET scan done today, and we know the result, we'll know the results on Wednesday. They decided to tell their daughters this evening. It was yesterday. So they have, of course, cried a lot of tears. But we know our God reigns, and he loves to manifest himself in such situations. I'm going to mention it this weekend to the church. So feel free to share it with your church. We certainly need and appreciate the prayers of the saints from Brother Donnie. So we indeed want to do that. So on top of that, we have a praise report. Our God is on the throne. Our God can do anything. And Sister Pruitt, Sister Karen Pruitt, was on death's door. And they had said to Brother Tim, just be prepared. This is where it's going to go. And Brother Tim wrote me yesterday, said, one victory after another. Today, another milestone for us. Karen has another barium swallow test. She passed it. Now she can eat solid food. Yesterday in PT, she walked nearly 300 yards. Amen. And I like Brother Tim, how he said, yes, you read that right. 300 yards. Today, even more, we are going from one glorious victory to another. Looking to bring her home on Tuesday. At least that's our goal. Well, that's our God. And if he can do it for Sister Pruitt, he can do it for Brother Donnie Reagan's daughter. He can do it for Brother Ron Spencer. Brother Ron apparently preached this morning like there's been no sickness. And that's the way I love these generals of God. They just press the battle and God bless him. So we want to remember Sister Karen, Brother Ron, uh, uh, Brother Ron Spencer. We want to remember Brother Donnie's daughter, Sister Erica. And we want to keep remembering Sister Rena Witt, her recovery. And just praying that God will just do a quick work. For we know that healing is in the body. So if you have a request this morning and you want to hold it high within your heart this morning. Just lift it to the almighty God that is present here. That God will meet every need that is represented not only here but around the world. Our dear precious heavenly father. As we prayed this morning, Lord, you know no space and no time. You're an omnipotent God. You're omnipresent, Lord, and you know our needs before we would even ask. You knew this situation for Erica long before the worlds were even formed. But you are the mighty God. That mighty Lord in the scriptures says that you're our warrior God. And so, Lord, we ask that you go mighty in battle this morning as we unite our hearts together for Sister Erica. We pray, Lord, that you will drive this cancer from her. She has two lovely set of twin girls. I pray, Lord God, that you will raise her up into the presence of God. Demolish that demon, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. You said, ask and you shall receive. We've asked and now we're going to rejoice for you're a God of our healing.
You're the Lord God that heals all our diseases. Touch our precious brother Ron, Lord, as you've touched Sister Karen. We rejoice this morning because you're a God that hears us and you're a God that answers us, Lord. So God, for any other requests that are represented here, those at the camp, whether they be there or here in the local assembly or at their homes this morning, what a day that will be when we're gathered together rejoicing. Lord, and lifting up your holy name. So, Lord, we're asking and committing these requests to you. Praying, Father, that you, in your own special way, will move in their rooms. That the glorious Lord God Almighty will meet every need, Lord. Every burden heart. Comfort the family. Lord, let the peace of God reign. And let the glory of God settle upon your people. Lord, we're asking for Brother Tim Dodd. He'll be ministering this morning. Whatever is on his heart, Lord, whether there's some reports from Africa, wherever it is, bless him and bless us through the opening of your word. We commit now the service to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. Paid a debt he did not owe. We have uh, a video special standing by, so we'll just sing this little song, and then uh, Brother Andrew, Brother Ryan, and Brother Caleb are going to be singing a trio special for us via video. We're looking forward to that. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt I could not pay.
come to scold you. He only wants to hold you. He's calling to you, coming from the pain. He's the keeper of the lost and found. Where wandering hearts can find a place.
Amen. Thank you so much for that wonderful special. Just uh, thinking of the scripture verse when they were singing, Paul says that while we were yet sinners, he loved us. And it's just so wonderful, the love of our, our blessed Savior, that when we didn't know him, when we couldn't even love him, he still loved us and he gave his life for us and made a way for us that when we come to the knowledge of the truth that he has already provided. Isn't it wonderful? We thank the Lord. I'd like to sing just knowing that God dwells in the praise of his people and we just love to worship him and enter into his presence and prepare for the word as it comes. We just want to invite our brother Tim and Maybe we could sing majesty, worship his majesty. If you don't mind, let's stand together and we'll just sing this unto the Lord with all of our hearts and praise and worship unto the majesty, king of all kings. Oh, majesty, worship his majesty.
Hallelujah. He is the King of all kings. Amen. He is the Lord of lords. He rules and reigns forever and ever. And of His kingdom there shall be no end. Amen. These kingdoms are failing, but that kingdom which we are a part of will never end. Amen. What a blessed place we are in this morning. Amen. Not just to be in this church, but to be in a kingdom. Amen. A kingdom that cannot be moved. We praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Good to be gathered together. You can have your seats for a moment. And uh, greetings to each and every one. Greetings to the camp. Uh, you can see me and I can see you. God bless you. Nice to see you all out there at the camp. And I see that you're observing these social distancing protocols, and I hope that you're comfortable with that. <laughs> Amen. We're never comfortable with it. We want to shake one another's hands. We want to embrace one another, but we'll endure. Amen. When we get on the other side, there'll be no social distancing protocols. Amen. We'll be one great big happy family. Matter of fact, I don't even like to mention it, but Brother Brown said when he was caught on the other side, he says he could, he could even embrace the sisters. And, uh, you know, we don't want to go down that, that realm in this carnal realm, but on the other side, it's different. Amen. And we're looking forward to the great, uh, the great time on the other side. Great gathering together there. So I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be here. Congratulations, Sister Anna Hope and Brother Jeremiah. It's already been mentioned this morning, but I'll just share my congratulations to you. And uh, God bless you as you begin your life together. Great potentials. This is only the beginning, and may God bless their union together. Um, just briefly, uh, who's uh, operate? I don't know if I have a thumbs up uh, for a video. Do I have the thumbs up? Okay. And uh, in uh, uh, in the, the worldwide, and especially, I'll just mention Uganda. Uh, as the world is in shutdown, we have we have received lots of testimonies of of things that are happening in spite of the lockdown, shutdown, whatever you want to call it. People are supposed to be at home. Thank you, musicians. You can actually, I'll actually let you go. Good to see you, each one. Good to see you, Brother Phil. Once again at the front, and God bless you. Thank you for your labors. They were waiting to be released. I could see that. And uh, But uh, around the world, uh, there are th- unusual things happening. I've, I, I've got a report from a brother in India said, in spite of the lockdown, uh, there were 38 baptisms in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we praise God for that. And that's just one area of India, you know, that there's things happening as, as things are uh, taking place. Of course, uh, Brother Stanley, who is the president of the uh, the new society over there involved in translation and printing of books, they just had a child this week on Brother Stanley's birthday, so we send them greetings over in India. I know they'll be watching this morning, I believe, from the hospital. And so uh, we send our greetings over there. Uh, over in Africa... Uh, Brother George is over in Angola. He's beginning to be able to get out. We're trying to move forward in helping the people there to get message books. Uh, Ethiopia is still shut down. Uganda is kind of in, in an in-between mode. They have a curfew every night. And so they're not able to really travel far distances. But they're able to get out a little bit, which is important because uh, 10,000 Bibles landed 
in Uganda during the shutdown. And they're now being distributed and we're getting reports every day. For all, it seems like, all, I should say almost every day, uh, from the joy of the churches that have come into the message that are receiving their first Bibles. That is amazing. Just amazing that these people had been, uh, what would you say, missionaryized or whatever over the years by different groups, but had never been given a Bible. And that just uh, almost brings me to tears to think of some of the expression of joy that they're having now to uh, receive these Bibles. And so uh, we have an article up on the website. You can view it there. Uh, and and there'll be more going up on the website. So watch the website for some of the latest testimonies of the joy of your brothers and sisters, uh, of your giving and, and your support for what God's doing over there. And it's amazing, Brother Biscoll, and your great support and vision. Brother Fred uh, Chinji wrote me this week, and he said, I'm sorry, 10,000 Bibles are not enough. that's a good problem to have amen everybody goes quiet on me it's like are you going to take up an offering brother tim not this morning but uh but ten thousand bibles are here are not going to be enough you pray that god will provide how many believe god answers prayer amen you pray and god will put the burden on the right people's hearts and these needs will be met And so I thought rather than sharing individual testimonies, I have a short video, which I think is more conducive to online. And uh, we'll just play this video of a couple of pastors that are receiving a supply for their church. God bless you. I thank God for uh, Brother Pastor Chinji. For wishing us good, and, and he has brought us the Bible. And he has brought us the Bible. So in this situation, most in this period of COVID, COVID nineteen, in this period of COVID nineteen, you have been with fast. By the time we were put in a lockdown, but we didn't have Bibles. The children of God, they wanted these Bibles. But we had no Bibles. But this opportunity that we have got, after this COVID has gone off, we are going to distribute them to the people the church members so that they rejoice in the Lord for they will have got this Bible which they are going to use to fight the enemy may God which you bless you brother how many people how many Bibles for the people we are more than 200 people 
But we didn't have the Bible. But this we have received. The members are going to be rejoicing. They are going to be very grateful for May God reach you, bless you, brothers. May God bless you all. Praise God, brethren. First of all, we are so grateful and happy for Pastor Chinji. And, and for you, the brethren who have sent us these Bibles, without God who has kept us and who has kept you, mostly in this COVID period, when we are in the lockdown, we are unable to move to our churches to minister, but we had a lot of fast for the word of God. But we thank you people for God for what you promised. Bible about the Bibles. We are happy that they have come now. And we are now going to distribute them to our church members. And members, every member is going to get the Bible now. In all God bless you, Spirity. God bless you. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you, each and every one that gave. For someone to hold their first Bible. We're blessed over here. We have lots. We thank God for that. But God bless you each one from the Sunday school children to the the adults, those that are not part of the church here that gave to each and every one. God bless you. 10,000 Bibles were delivered just recently. Before that, it was 10,000 church age books. The next will be the seals books. They're printing individual books. You can read about it on the website. God bless you each and every one. The word of life is reaching these hungry souls. And we are so glad for that. Let's stand together and turn to our Bibles. In the book of Revelation this morning, we'll turn to chapter 16. And I just want to say, I want to take a, a subject maybe from a little different direction than maybe we're used to this morning. Uh, I'm going to dig a little bit into history and to bring out some truths of the Word of God. And uh, in preaching any subject, you don't ever want to presume anything. We don't want speculation. It must come from the Word of God. And that is the basis of all things that are eternal. And there are many things that uh, are happening even as we now speak that our minds are not able to comprehend. And when I say now happening, I mean in the world. 
God sends a prophet into an age to show you things that you could not otherwise see. That's why a prophet is called a seer. And so he sees into another dimension. He sees what God is doing and God shows him what the enemy is doing. And so the truths that come through the light of the message are very, very important to shed light in this day upon what God is doing and upon uh, the works of the enemy. Because when the enemy is exposed, he is powerless. And so we are called, though, as believers to see the word made manifest in our day and to walk in the light of that revealed word. And as far as historically or nationally or anything like that, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. What has been is what will be. And so you you see things and and patterns and how the devil operates and all of these things and and the the purpose of a service like this is to get you to see how blessed you are and what you have at your disposal and what God has done for you. And so I want to read out of Revelation chapter 16 if you have your Bibles. Uh let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer before we read the scripture. Wonderful Heavenly Father, it's wonderful to see, Lord, the saints gathered together this morning. And Lord, we realize there's many in the unseen realm, connected online, in their homes, in other places, oh God, around the world even, oh God. I know there's some watching even now in other countries. And Lord, we just commit ourselves to you, knowing, Lord, that we have like a few moments together. Lord, to, to all together focus our thoughts, believing that you want to speak to us. And so, Lord, we invite you to have the preeminence this morning. Not a man's studies or his notes or anything like that. But, Lord, that you'll just come now and anoint the word the way you want it anointed. And, Lord, minister it to the hearts of the believer. Answer questions. Bring into light every life, Lord, we pray. As we commit all things to you, even, Lord, the needs that are here and out amongst the church. Lord, whatever those needs might be, natural, spiritual, physical, whatever they might be, Lord, you know them. And it's your word that drops faith into every heart. And so I pray, Lord, that in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will work supernaturally this morning, taking complete control of this sovereign, supernatural, and divine meeting that we have together, as we say, seated together in heavenly places. We commit ourselves to you. Bless the word, the reading, and the speaking of it, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Revelation 16 and verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them. To the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keepeth his garments. Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together 
into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Now, sometimes God won't let you get away from a thought that he drops in, and it's been quite a while since the Lord has been working on, as he dropped this one scripture into my mind a while back, and I've been just studying and looking to the Lord on it. I won't go into all the dealings of God, but uh, in the 12th verse, it says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. And I want to take that for a text this morning and, and title the message, The Euphrates Has Gone Dry. The Euphrates Has Gone Dry. Now, throughout history, and in the history that we have written in the Bible, and in the history record of the world, uh, we, we find that civilizations have most often been founded around great rivers. And they, those rivers become the lifeline. They become the source of strength for the commerce of that economy and for food and for transport and irrigation and, and transport and, and for protection even. And often at the, at the entrance of those rivers to the ocean become great ports that rise up. Like in China, they have the Yangtze River that, that empties through the city of Shanghai into the ocean. And in India, it's the Ganges that flows through Calcutta. And on the, in, the, in Africa, they have the great Nile River. And of course, the city of Cairo and the Egyptian civilization that was centered around that river. We could talk about Europe and the Thames River in, in England and maybe the Danube in Germany. And, and you have in South Africa, you, or in South America rather, you have the, the Amazon and you have in the United States, the Mississippi. And even right here in the city of Vancouver, we have the Fraser River. And just south of us, they have the Columbia River and, and all of the commerce and all of the things that have flowed through there. And because of the effects of these rivers, civilizations have risen up. Cities have risen up. Men's prosperities have been made on these rivers. And, and prosperities of nations have flowed through these places. And if they were to dry up, if we could say that, then that would ruin the place. That would ruin the economies, that would ruin the nations, that would ruin the civilizations, that would ruin many people. And, and so there, there's a great deal of the world's known life that has flowed through these rivers, if we could say it that way. In another way, if we talk about rivers or streams, you know, the Bible talks about a man's life. And that how is his life stream is likened to a river or to a stream and how that there's a, a resource, a, a limited resource of a man's life. And I was thinking about Abraham and how that, you know, the Bible says that in Romans chapter four, he was not weak in faith. He considered not his own body when he was his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, when the Bible says his body was dead, it was not saying he died. You understand what I'm saying? He says his body was dead. Brother Branham says it this way. He says his life stream was dead. 
You know, he says Sarah's womb was dead. So he's referring to to the, the vibrancy of the life of youth that when a man becomes older, that 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 vibrancy or that effect of life begins to dry up. And, and it, it, it's now that it's not that he's dead, but you could say he's begun the process of dying. He has reached to a place where life maybe becomes, as far as Abraham was concerned, a place of quiet retirement. A place where, well, there's not much more for me to do. You know, whatever I've done, I've done. But we know God was not finished with Abraham yet. Amen? I want to I come back to Abraham. But it seemed like he no longer influenced events, but rather watched events. It seemed like, naturally speaking, life was shriveling up, even though he was still here. He was still eating, he was still partaking, but it seemed like life had gone on. The river of life had kind of passed him by. And now his portion of it has begun to dry up and and it, it seemed like it was all gone. But the Bible says against hope, he believed in hope. When the natural offered him no hope, he still believed in the promise of God. When the natural did not give him what he thought was would come naturally in life. He couldn't naturally have children. He couldn't naturally be an expression in that way of a family life. Even though there was many natural things in which Abraham prospered. But yet in the midst of all of it, he says it doesn't matter what the natural looks like. I have a promise. I have a promise. Now, I'll leave Abraham there for a moment. When God planted his headquarters, Brother Brown calls it headquarters, he put it in the midst of four rivers. And you can find those rivers in the book of Genesis chapter 2. One is called the Pison, if I have it right. The other one is uh, Gihon, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing these correctly. Uh, the next one is Hidekel, and the next one is Euphrates. So the fourth river is Euphrates. And that's the first time we hear of Euphrates in the Bible. And so it has a, a, a portion there in the Garden of Eden. But mo- and, and Brother Branham says God had an Eden, but he made a headquarters, and he called that the Garden of Eden. And so now in the Garden of Eden, there's these rivers. But most importantly... In the midst of these rivers, there was two trees. One was the tree of life. One was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Of course, there's many trees in the garden. But I'm saying there's these two important trees. These two uh, these two things that are anchored here. The tree of life is an eternal resource. The tree of life reappears in the book of Revelation, which we'll come to. But yet in the midst of that, there's also in the garden, as Eve said to the serpent, we may eat of all the trees of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we may not partake of it lest we die. Is that right? All right, so now we know that tree of knowledge of good and evil was what Satan used to bring about the downfall of humanity. 
It's what he used to deceive Eve and says, oh, you can partake of it. God's a good God. You can, there's things in the tree of knowledge of good and evil that if you tapped into them, my, you'd become like God's. You'd know good and evil. You would, you would understand things better than you understand things. Now she ought to have said, and this is the thing, when the devil comes around, it's not a good idea to reason with him because he'll always outreason you. She ought to have said to him, I'm already like God. She ought to have said, I don't need no more. I'm not looking for something else. I've received the light of the word of the hour. Why would I look for something else? I'm already enjoying what I have. You know, that's often how the devil operates. He tries to bring something to you say, you don't have something, you're missing something. But you didn't know you were missing it until he told you you were missing it. She didn't know she was missing anything. Why? Because she was happy. She was walking in the joy of the Lord. She had eternal life. She could eat of all the trees other than the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She could just enjoy her life with Adam at peace and joy. Not just peace and joy. Perfect peace. Perfect joy. Perfect love. Perfect rest. Perfect understanding. All of these things there in the Garden of Eden. But the devil came around and says, but you need more. She didn't need more. Says we don't need more than the word of God. We don't need the word of God plus. You know, and even in salvation, it's not the blood of Jesus Christ plus. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not God's grace plus. No, by grace you are saved. And that by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we see that the devil's uh, design here now, this tree of knowledge, that the devil... Uh, was operating in, in the Garden of Eden. And Lucifer tapping into the power that was there in the garden and by corrupting the seed began to bring forth a civilization. A civilization founded by the river Euphrates. We're going to jump from the fall to the flood. We're going to skip those 2,000 years now. After the flood, as Brother Branham says, they come from the east going west. They come to the valley of Shinar. All right, so they travel from where the ark first came to a rest. And they come into the valley of Shinar, which is the land between the Euphrates and the Tigris. The land that's commonly known in the carnal world as Mesopotamia. We don't know it as that because that's not what's written in the Bible. But it's called Mesopotamia, which Mesopotamia itself means the land between the rivers. That's, that's the name of the place. And in this place, the devil started to build his headquarters. This is the place where the tree of knowledge was planted after the flood. This is the place where the children of Noah began to go to, and indeed all of the people of the world as, as children were born and next generations were born, they begin to gather in this valley between the rivers, and thus Babylon begins. And the Bible records in Genesis 10, just stay with me. I know there's not a lot of amen content here, but uh, just stay with me. In Genesis Genesis 10, it says, and Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth, and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. 
Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, which is Babylon. And Erech and Akkad and Kelne in the land of Shinar, which is the land of Mesopotamia, which is where Babylon had begun. And so this is where the modern historians trace our modern history or our traceable history and our civilization back to where civilization began there in Babylon. And this is where the seeds of the tree of knowledge were planted. And this is where civilization Or if I can say it another way, this is where the seeds of Lucifer through the tree of knowledge begin to express themselves. Begin to manifest the thoughts of the devil. And begin to express his idea. Because remember Lucifer's first problem was that he had a problem with creation. And he wanted a kingdom greater than that of Michael. He had his ideas of how a kingdom would be established. He had his ideas of what a civilization should look like. And there he began to manifest it there in the valley called Shinar. In what we know as the Babylonian civilization. And so right there he began to express himself. And has brought it all the way down now to the age that we're living in. As Brother Branham called it now, Satan's Eden. Alright, so he, he began to pervert all that was God's. And, but he, now listen, Satan knows how God operates. He knows if I'm gonna plant my tree of knowledge, it has to be by a river. Cause in heaven there's a tree of life that's planted by a river. Satan has been there. Hello? He knows what God's pattern is. And so he can only pattern himself after God's pattern. Alright, and so we begin to see this come out now. Now for those of you that are familiar with history, and you might know about Babylon and the original Babylonian civilization there in the valley. There's a man by the name of Hammurabi, and uh, they call him Hammurabi, and they discovered some tablets and some things of the code of laws of Hammurabi back there from Babylon. And he was really the founder of the Babylonian civilization And from all that I can see and from all that I can read, and here's the extent of my conjecture today, is that Hammurabi is none other than Nimrod. And that man began to be used of the devil. And the Bible records he was known as a mighty hunter. Listen, he's not just a hunter of game. He's a hunter of men. He's a hunter of money. He's a hunter of control and conquest. He's a man that moves in a certain realm that from that began in that hour and has moved on down to this day. All right, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because we are, our time is limited. And it's quite interesting about this Hammurabi looking at it just from a natural perspective. Now I'm going outside the Bible into, into carnal history because mankind... And this is one thing they have trouble reconciling, even those that connect Hammurabi with Nimrod. They have trouble reconciling that the world looks at Hammurabi as a great man. Because he he was the initiator of what's called the code of Hammurabi. Or a system of laws. 
that begin to govern this first civilization. And so they lift this man up as a great man. But now let me just read you a little bit about it. That how can he be a great man in the eyes of the world. But the Bible says he's such an evil man. Here's the reason. The the history writes. He says with the emergence of Hammurabi or Nimrod. Though we can imagine that men begin to look at things differently. No longer was God the final arbiter on what was right or wrong. Instead, man was. This is the seed being planted. Now in this hour, we are seeing the fruit of that seed. No longer is God the word. The arbiter of what is right and wrong. No longer is it the word that decides whether homosexuality is right or wrong. No longer is it the word that describes whether fornication is right or wrong. No longer is it the word that describes whether whether uh, uh, this is right or that's wrong. Whether it be drug abuse or alcohol or different kinds of things. It's now whatever comes, whatever man decides. Whatever the code of law decides. That's what's right or that's what's wrong. I say that's that's the original Babylonian come into manifestation. It's the word of God that is only the truth. It's only the word of God that says, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Can we say amen to that? Amen. I see you out there at the camp. I trust you're able to hear me okay. Amen. It's only God's word. He goes on to say, with the enactment and acceptance of Hammurabi's code, man began to emerge From his complete dependence upon God. And Hammurabi's code gave mankind the gift of self-government. He himself claims to be the, the wise author of the laws. The code taught man that God alone was no longer the source of the law. So we see the world lifts that up. But the Bible says... He was an evil man. He was a man that drew people from and the man that initiated the Tower of Babel. And that's an interesting thing because Hammurabi rose up this great kingdom, united all the cities, everything was united. And of course, we know the Bible describes that he began to build a tower. And this tower was for a purpose to defy God. We will rise up against any destruction that God, we will build a tower so that no longer can we be destroyed by a flood. And he thought that it, that would be sufficient to hold his kingdom together. But the Bible, or rather the, the history records that the civilization, the Babylonian civilization failed. That was the original Babylonian civilization. It failed. And they don't know why it failed. Well, the Bible says why it failed. God came down and confounded their languages. And says now they're not all. Just be like that. You'll not all speak the same language. Matter of fact, if we leave them with the same language, there won't hardly be anything they can't accomplish. But let's go down and confound their language. Is that the Bible? All right, you're still with me. I can't go into all these channels in that, that we just don't have time for. And I'm not complaining about the time. I'm just saying we want to, that's why I'm being concise. So God confounded their language. And it was only later that another king, a kingdom rose up under Nebuchadnezzar 
after this that put his throne where? By the river of Euphrates. Recognizing that he himself even by God was likened to a tree. That people would come, that birds of the air would come and nest in their branches. The cattle of the field would find shade under the branches. Why? Because it, it grew into a great tree. His life, his civilization planted by the river Euphrates. But now back to Nimrod. In Nimrod's, it was in Nimrod's time and the time of the tower and the time of that civilization that God spoke to a man. By the name of Abraham. Babylonia, Babylon of course means confusion. And in the midst of all that confusion now, God begins to deal with an individual. Listen, you might wonder, why does God deal with me in the midst of so many people in this age? So much confusion. Is it possible that I could receive leadership? Is it possible that I could receive life? That's exactly how God operates. While the world is going their way and the devil's civilization is going their way, God comes to the individual. And the Lord says to Abram in Genesis 12, Get out of thy country and come from and from thy kindred, which is Ur, which is part of that civilization. It says, And from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great. I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall the families of the earth be blessed. And so God brings Abraham out across the river Euphrates. And over into Israel as we know it now. Over into the promised land. And God begins to reveal himself to Abram. And says you're not Abram but you're Abraham. And God begins to make himself known to this man. And God tells Abraham. He says as a matter of fact. He says I, if you, because you believe me. I want you to look to the north, south, east and west. He says I want you to, to know that I've given you all this land. And then he specifically mentions from the Euphrates River. To the great river of Egypt. I give you all this land. And so God says your land will be bordered by these great rivers. And and this is an aspect I don't have time to go into. But you'll, you'll recognize that he doesn't say your land will be in these great rivers. But rather it will be between. This is important for the believer. Because these rivers were a source of man made commerce and civilization. But God says your inheritance is not in them. Your inheritance is between them. And when Israel was brought out of Egypt under Moses, God says to them, you've known the Nile River, he says, is a land of irrigation. But the land that I'm taking you to is not a land of irrigation. The land that I take you to is blessed based on how you conduct your life. You see, salvation is by predestination, but the blessings of God are upon condition. And so God says, as long as you live according to my word, I will send the rains on the land. The former rain, the latter rain. That's why I say we don't have time to get into all this. But God says, I will bless you if you walk in my word. And so God brings you out. God brings you into the truth. God brings you into life. He says, now walk in this word. And as long as you walk in this word, I will bless you. Your inheritance is not in the civilization of this world. Your inheritance now, it's not that you won't have 
maybe a bank account or a car or a house or those kind of things. That's not what God's talking about. Abraham had lots of things. Israel had lots of things. But it wasn't by their own greatness. It was by the blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. God says, walk in my word and I will bless you. I say, I will walk in your word, Lord. Keep me in my inheritance. Keep me between the borders. I don't want to go to Euphrates. I don't want to go to Nile. I want to walk in the word of God. So Abraham and his seed are given the land from the Euphrates to the Nile. Deuteronomy 11, he says it this way. Every place, he tells Israel, every place the soles of your feet shall tread upon shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. God's saying, don't walk there. Don't worry about what they're doing there. Listen, it was when Achan went into the land to possess the land. And he, he comes into the, the city of Jericho. He didn't say, I found a Canaanite garment. He said, I found a Babylonian garment. It was the culture of Babylon that tripped him up. Hello? It was the fashion of Babylon. I better look this way. But how do, where do I look on this one? The fashion of Babylon that caused him to stumble. I just looked at that dress and it looked so cute. Didn't say it was for himself. Could have been for his wife. Oh, I just was seeing something. and Oh, you know, my co-worker said I would look so nice in that. Or I just saw the way they're doing their hair. Or I just saw, you know, the way the fashions were. Even men today becoming fashion conscious. Lord, help us. Someday, if the Lord's willing, I want to speak on masculinity. Everybody goes quiet. (laughs) What the word says about it. I'll tell you what. We're living in a treacherous time. Take your eyes off of Babylon. Walk in your... There's been... Have you heard much preaching lately on inheritance? There's been lots of preaching in the services on inheritance. What God's trying to do, He says, Your inheritance isn't in this world. Your inheritance is not of this world. Walk in my word and I will bless you. I will open doors for you. I will close the wrong doors for you. I will give you a job. I will bless your home. I will save your children. I will watch over your portion. I will watch over your life. Amen. That's the God that we serve. Joshua 1, God reminds Joshua as he leads the people into the land. He says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you as I said unto Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. God's just describing it wherever you walk in this land, whatever you can see in your inheritance, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. God says, I will give you. That's why Caleb come to Joshua after five years of conquering land. He says, Caleb, you remember that Moses said, wherever our feet tread upon. God told you wherever our feet tread upon. See that mountain? My feet tread upon there when we spied out the land. 
Now I'm telling you, give me my mountain. Amen. It didn't matter to him that there was giants in the land. It didn't matter to him that it looked impossible. With God, all things are possible. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. That's become one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. What can we say? Now, what can we do? What can we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God's for you, nobody can be against you. It doesn't matter who's against you. If God's for you, if God's on your side, you have no worries. Amen. If God's on your side, your problems are not insurmountable. If God's on your side, all things are possible. Hallelujah. If God be for us, who can be against us? I'm the only guy I know that teaches and has to take his coat off. Praise the Lord. Babylonian civilization. Let's just carry on a little bit in here. We know about Nebuchadnezzar. We know about the land. We know about the great city Babylon now that rises up under Nebuchadnezzar. We know about the hanging gardens that arise at that time. We know about the so-called wonders of the world. And he has a son, actually his grandson, Belteshazzar. He's thinking, I've got the palace, I've got the throne, I've got the Euphrates, I'm safe. He's thinking, nobody can get to me, these great big walls. The Persians are at the gates, but we don't care. Because we've got these great big walls. And the river flows right through the city. And there was gates over the river. And the people, there's, they couldn't come in through the river. They couldn't come in uh, uh, through any other means. It was impregnable. And so Belteshazzar thought he'd have a great feast. And so he, he impiously, as we would say, or he, he flagrantly pull, asked for the, the vessels of the temple of God. It says, bring them to the feast. I'll tell you what. I even tell unbelievers, I say, listen, don't live your life as though there's no God. You're only asking for trouble. Even if you can't serve him, at least respect him. But Belteshazzar didn't even respect God. And he, he asked for the vessels of the temple and they drank and they were drunken with the vessels of the temple, the holy vessels. And he misused the, the vessels. And, you know, I, I would just say this. It just comes to my mind, I'm going to say it. If the leader in China would have any sense, he would not touch the vessels of God. I'm talking about the Christians that are imprisoned in China. They don't have to serve God. They can have their communism. They can do, but if they don't have respect to God, they will fail. Because God controls all things. If I, if I, if I was prime minister or whatever they call it, premier or whatever he is over there, president, king, emperor, uh, over there in China, I'd let the Christians go. You want to be blessed? Just let the Christians go. You don't even have to serve. Nebuchadnezzar didn't serve God, but he was blessed because he treated them right. But his grandson built a Shazer. It reminds me of there was a Pharaoh that raised up that knew not Joseph. 
And so because of all that now, they begin to, they begin to follow this Belteshazzar and they're in this drunken feast. All of a sudden a hand appears and writes on the wall. Mini, mini, tikal up Sharon, I think is the name of it. And, and, and he can't interpret it and Daniel has to be brought in to interpret it. And Daniel, and he gives him, he says, I'll reward you and I'll bless you. And then Daniel, God bless Daniel. He was a man. He says, you keep your rewards. I'm not interested because this means you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. My, think about that. You could have done better. Even though you weren't a believer, you could have done better. But because you're weighed in the balance and found wanting this day, your kingdom shall be taken from you. Belteshazzar thought, what is he talking about? He didn't know they were diverting or drying up the river Euphrates. The very life strength of his kingdom and his army and the, the, the armies of the Persian got under the gates of the river because they diverted the river. And they marched in and ended the Babylonian civilization. You can end the civilization, but the devil has a spirit. All right. You know, Isaiah was told to prophesy in Isaiah chapter 14. And he says, thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how hast the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased. And then he begins to prophesy against Babylon. Now, in, in Isaiah 14, if you know your Bible, Isaiah is beginning to prophesy against the king of Babylon. But as he gets in the spirit, he begins to identify not Babylon, but the spirit behind it. And then he, he, he moves right into, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? You have said, I will ascend into heaven. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. In the sides of the north, I will ascend. Isaiah, he's speaking against Babylon. But now he begins to speak against the spirit behind Babylon. In the civilization that is corrupting the entire world. We could go further and... Show how that Babylon goes from Babylon to mystery Babylon. And how that Hislop wrote a book on it called Two Babylons. One is the natural, but one is the spiritual. And how does the seed of, how the seed of Satan goes from Babylon to Rome? Because Babylon, the natural, became nothing. And then it makes a route through, and I can't remember the name of the place, but then on, finally ends up in Rome, which becomes mystery Babylon. Now it goes from the natural, hello, to the spiritual. All right. Now we come to our text because Revelation chapter 16, it begins to describe the end of the world. The sixth angel pours out the sixth vial and the sixth vial dries up the river Euphrates. And then the seventh angel comes to announce the end of the world and the judgment of Babylon. And chapter 17, the angel says to John, come, I will show you the judgment of the great whore, mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. All right. So now we've arrived at the place we want to get to. You see, our fashion of this age, our civilization, 
Our laws come from Babylon. Our governmental systems, we might think, oh, this is a unique thing. Even Americans might think, oh, you know, we're, we're unique. We, we have a constitution. We have a law. No, Hammurabi had that. Matter of fact, they look back to him and say, there, there's the, the, the great example and, and all of those things. You see, all of these, now I know that America, the nation, is founded on freedom of religion and thereby was founded on a good principle. But the idea that they've ruled into that man's laws are above God's laws has now brought it right back to Babylon. So the sixth angel pours out the vial. The only place in the book of Revelation that Euphrates also appears is under the sixth trumpet. Okay. The sixth trumpet is the releasing of the 200 million demons against Israel in the spirit, in the natural and against the bride in the spiritual. Ecclesiastes and power and, and demonic powers. All right. I, I just, I have to close this part off because we're, we're going to be out of time without hitting where we want to get to. But I want you to notice this in particular about history. Because these are not things, I'll, I'll say it this way, these are not things you would know without this message. That the sixth trumpet, the second wall, is also the second world war. Alright? So it identifies the timeline of these events that are happening to loose these 200 million demons. Or in other words, what was restrained by the river Euphrates. Why? Because a trumpet sounds, a vial is poured out. All of these things take place. For what purpose? God is bringing in the judgment of this civilization. The reason that you see the things that you see, and I'll quote here, the reason that you see the ending of the world, Brother Branham preached this just before the opening of the seals in message titled, The Falling Apart of the World. He says, there's never been a time in the world that this world was any more in a national tear-up and falling apart than it is right now. He says, you can't, and then he talks about, newscast and politics and and all of these things. He says there's no peace among them. He says you can't bring peace that way. Peace and fellowship cannot come by politics. It come by Christ. He says and they don't want to receive it. He says how could how I could speak some things there the corruptness in our politics. And then he, he starts to, and I won't go into the details, but he starts to break down some of the things in his day. Listen, it hasn't gotten any better since 1962. It's, here we are in 2020, it's only gotten worse. The corruption that is in politics. And I'll say even now, because of the way the media operates, they can no longer hold it under under wraps and under hidden cloaks. Now it's being exposed for all the world to see. The corruption that has always been there. And Brother Branham says that's there. He says politics cheating, rotten on both sides. He says, I don't blame him. He's talking about a man that talks about the corruption. He says, I throw up my hands too and let the nasty, and let the nasty stuff corrupt. It's going with the world anyhow. He says, 
but hold your hands up towards Christ and say, here I come, Lord. Amen. He says, turn away from this civilization. Turn away from the Euphrates. Turn away from the river that's drying up. The source of strength of the tree of life has dried up. The whole thing of the corruption has begun to break out into the open where people begin to wonder. I I don't really want to just get into a lot of details, but we see civilized society falling apart. We see civilization, decency, common sense falling apart in the world. We see young people being raised wrong till they're rioting in the streets. We see universities teaching communism and Marxism and there's lots of things that we could say of that out of the, right out of the message. We see medical science floundering. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. It does transmit, it doesn't transmit. This is the problem, that's the problem. Stay at home, don't stay at home. Go to work, don't go to work. They, you know, they don't have an answer. Our hospitals could be overflowed at any minute. Why is that? It's corrupted. The river is dried up. All of these things that have come from the Euphrates. The strength behind them has dried up. They must crumble. Oh, I hope that doesn't hurt your feelings. They must crumble. They must cease. The Euphrates has dried up. The source of strength of Satan's Eden is no more. Brother Brown talks about the church in the falling apart of the world. Don't worry, I'm coming to the good part. He says the church, what does the church want? The church wants today an anointed genius who has everything so fixed up that they can live in the world. And women can cut their hair, paint their faces. Men can marry four or five times, still be deacons. They can do anything they want to and still maintain their confession as being Christians. He says, you're going to get it. He's not talking about the believers. He's talking about the church natural. The carnal. Praise God that you don't attend a church like that. But I will say, let me just say what Brother Ram says. You don't want God's Messiah. The anointed word. The word made manifest. The word bringing itself forward. You don't want that. God sent it to you. What's he talking about? This message. God sent you the anointed Messiah. God sent you the anointed word. He says the church don't want that. They want their creed. They want a genius that can fix creeds to where everything bows to. Oh, he says... He says, anything pulls you away from that is wrong. It's a false Messiah, a false anointing. Now listen to what he says. Oh, he said, this brother had such an anointing. What kind of an anointing? That's it. He said, Hitler had an anointing too. Khrushchev's got one also. Pope Pius has one also. What kind of anointing have you got? If it's not anointed with this word to vindicate every word to be the truth, leave it alone. Amen. It'll show its color. Just leave it alone. Listen, I'll just say this. If you're looking for an anointed leader of Cloverdale Bible Way, you're looking for the wrong thing. 
It's not a man, no matter who the man is. And we appreciate these men. We thank God for them. But that's not what we're looking for. We have an anointed word. We have the anointed Messiah. And anybody that stays with that anointed Messiah is okay in my books. I say, God bless him. God use him. God anoint his preaching. God let him point back to the truth. You know, there was the, I think someone preached on it, maybe Murphy, talked about the Greeks coming, sirs, we would see Jesus. They were looking for an anointed Messiah. They were looking for it in the man. But Jesus says it's not in the man except a seed fall on the ground and die. It abides alone. There's something in the seed that must be manifested. The seed must come to its maturity. In the age that it's designed for. Hallelujah. He says, you believe the world is falling apart? Its systems are falling apart? Do you believe that? Listen, this isn't a negative message by the time we get to the end. Do you believe the economical system is falling apart? The political system is falling apart? The national UN system is falling apart? The church is falling apart? The denominations are falling apart? Everything is falling apart? But we got a kingdom that cannot be moved. It's an eternal kingdom of God. It cannot be moved. God's kingdom is not of this world. And when Christ was here, he gave us the program of his kingdom. He gave us the program of God's kingdom, the Father's kingdom, which is the word. Now, if you want to know how to get into the kingdom, the word has it. Hallelujah. Are you with me so far? All right, maybe 10 more minutes, maybe 15, and we'll be done. Now, Abraham, in the midst of Babylon, in the city of Ur, in the midst of a civilization, God speaks to him. He says, go to a land. I'm going to give you an inheritance. And God begins, God doesn't reveal himself all at once. Over the course of 25 years. Aren't you glad God's still speaking to you? Amen. Amen, brother Ken. You've been in the message 40 some years. God's still speaking to you. It's, it's a reality. It's something that I, if I don't have God speak to me this week. Matter of fact, it was this subject that I was studying. I was telling brother Tom, I was studying this for weeks and weeks. I couldn't get it off my mind. And I was just like, there's an answer to this somewhere. And finally last Monday, not knowing yet that I was preaching today. But last Monday, I'm out on a walk by myself and it's just like, click, there's the answer right there. And then all of a sudden, the whole word opens up. And that's the way God operates. He doesn't give it to you just because you want it. He gives it to you because He wants to use it in you. You understand what I'm saying? If you're desiring something, you have to ask yourself the first question, is it mine? Because if it's not mine, you're not going to get it. If it's not yours, God gives you what's yours. You seek God for what's yours. God cannot keep it from you. It's the whole principle of our families. Those of us that have children that are away from God. It's the whole principle. I'm not asking for everybody, but I'm asking for mine. The Syrophoenician woman come to God. And come to Jesus. And she began bowed down there at her feet. And, and Jesus uh, uh, said, you know, didn't answer her a word. But she says, Lord... The dogs, or she says to him, Lord, but the word means master. Master. She refers to him as master. Even the dogs eat the crumbs off their master's table. She's saying, I may be a dog, but I'm your dog. I'm not asking for everything. I'm just asking for a crumb for my daughter. 
I'm not asking for the world. I'm not asking for a great inheritance. I'm asking for my inheritance. I'm claiming what is mine. I have my mind closed. See, Satan wants to get you into a realm in this civilization of his in Babylon that wants you, oh, you could do this, or you could do that, or you could be this, or you could be that, or you could have this, or you could have that. Forget about it. Go to God and say, Lord, what is my inheritance? And when he reveals it to you like Caleb, then say, Lord, give me my mountain. I'm walking here. I'm staying here. The devil has to lead. Amen. You'll see. You'll see a little clearer as we go on here. One day, the Bible says, as the Bible records, he considered not his body now dead. His life stream had dried up. Sarah's milk veins, Brother Bram says, one place had dried up. Naturally speaking, they had no resource. Hallelujah. But there was one came to him by the name of El Shaddai and said, Abraham, now nurse your strength from me. Because I, and I'll just paraphrase now, I am the tree of life. And when you're nursed from me, I am planted by the river of life. And that resource of the river of life has come to you today through the tree of life. Because the seed that is planted is not just lays there in the ground. It grows by what? By drinking of the water of the ground. By standing in the presence of the sun. And as it begins to drink its life, it begins to push out branches. It begins to push out leaves. It begins to push out fruit. And now this one who is the tree of life, who was in the Garden of Eden, now appears to Abraham in the form of El Shaddai and says, Abraham, I'm giving you access to the river of life. Hallelujah. Through me, you have access to this river. Through me, you have access to strength you never knew you had access to. Through me, all things are possible. Through me, you can have the desire of your heart. Through me, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Whatever you ask in my name, I will give it to you. Hallelujah. Why? Because I, the tree of life, planted by the river of life, not by the river Euphrates, by the river of life, I have come to you. Hallelujah. Abraham, God says, walk before me and be thou perfect. I make my covenant with between me and you. I will multiply thee exceedingly. What a resource this El Shaddai had. What a resource the breasted God. The one to the strength giver. Abraham, Brother Ram types it so well. I love Brother Branham's preaching on Abraham. The grace covenant and all of that. And how that he says to Abraham, Abraham, you, but you have to become like a baby. And nurse your strength from me. You can't be thinking you know everything. Hello? You can't be thinking you got all the answers. You can't be thinking you, you're, you're the great one. He says, in order to nurse this strength, you need to become like a baby. Jesus said, except you become as a little child, like one of these, you cannot partake of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. 
Revelation 22 says it this way. The spirit and the bride say come. Let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Amen. That water of life, that pure river of water of life, that verse 1 says, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In John 7, that tree of life that is in heaven stood on the earth in the form of Jesus Christ and stood and cried, if any man is a thirst, hello, if any man is a thirst, if any man is a thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Hallelujah. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What is it now? You become a part of that river of living water, not a part of Euphrates. You become a part of a separate river system. One that flows from the throne of God. A river system that's pure as crystal. Clear as crystal. Pure as anything that flows from Whatever flows from God is pure. Amen. It's not corrupted by any things of this world. Even the pure rivers of this world. You look at the Amazon. You look at the Ganges. You look at the Yangtze. You look at the whether Babylonian River, uh, Euphrates or Tigris or whatever more. You look at the Nile, whatever they are. They're full of pollution. They're full of man-made problems. But let me tell you what. Leave those rivers behind and partake of this river. If any man thirsts, Jesus says, come unto me and drink. He's still calling tonight. He's still calling today. I believe that with all my heart. He is the tree of life planted by that river of life. Come, I'll show you where the river is. He told the woman at the well, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Talking about that well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Hallelujah. The river of her life had become polluted. The river she was tapped in had become polluted. There was much pollution there. But Jesus offered her a pure river. I want to say this morning, if you're listening, if you're watching, even if you're here and you're a sinner and your life has become polluted, I say, come and drink of the waters of life. Hallelujah. Let this pure crystal water flow through your life and purge out all the pollution. Purge out all of the Euphrates. Purge out all of Babylon. Purge out the fashion. Purge out the worldliness. Purge it all out. Oh God, let it be just the pure waters of life in me. Hallelujah. Flow through me, Holy Spirit. Flow through me. Hallelujah. Maybe you need to cry out like the woman at the well. Give me this water. She just said, oh, if it's so good, give me this water. Give me this water. Maybe somebody's in their home and I don't, I'm not a prophet. I'm just saying maybe. 
I'm just saying maybe somebody at camp, maybe somebody somewhere, maybe somebody days down the road will watch this service and God will speak to them. You need to cry out, give me this water. I've been trying to satisfy myself with the waters of this civilization, just like the woman at the well. Listen, the psychology of this civilization will perish. The man-made ideas of this civilization are perishing. Their river has dried up. There's no life in Satan's Eden. I'm even amazed at the people that leave the message. What are they drinking? Where are they going? This is the tree of life revealed in the hour. This message is not some man-made idea. It's not, neither is it the life stream of a man. It's the tree of life come down to reveal himself. And when he reveals himself, he shows us access to the waters of life. Hallelujah. Pure and cool and refreshing. There was a man by the pool of Bethesda as he was sitting there, uh, uh, Hoping for the best this world had to offer. The best medical system they had in Israel. He's laying there. Uh, impotent man. A man maybe, a, Brother Bram says, retarded condition. Uh, that means just it's, it's not progressing. It's not going further. It's just kind of making him just kind of weak. And he's laying there. And he's trying to be the first one into the water when the angel comes down and troubles the water. He's trying to get whatever natural benefit out of that supernatural thing that he can get. And so he's laying there. He's laying there, Brother Ed. One man. And here comes the tree of life. He says, Jesus says, would you be well? He says, I, I can't get in the water in time. I don't have anybody to help me. I, I got all kinds of, see, he had all kinds of excuses why he couldn't be well. But he was talking to the tree of life. And because he was talking to the tree of life, he should have understood, I must be near the waters of life. Because that's where the tree of life is. Hallelujah. He had to recognize. See, in naturally speaking, he didn't have the strength to get into the water. But spiritually speaking, he had the faith. To go to the tree of life. Jesus said. I perceive this man has faith. Amen. What is it? There was faith laying in the man. Brother Branham I think expressed it that way. He said. Why did he bypass everybody else? They were trying to tap into a natural resource. But there was one man that must have been laying there saying. God. You're still the same yesterday, today and forever. It doesn't matter what my condition is. Oh if brother Donnie's daughter could catch it. You know, it doesn't matter what the doctors say. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. It means absolutely nothing. We're not relying on the Euphrates River. Let me say it again. We're not relying on the Euphrates system. We're not relying on Babylon. I found it interesting that, that TELUS, TELUS, you know, the phone company, came out with a new app, a medical app. A medical app so you can phone in and talk to a doctor. And they called the medical app Babylon. Babylon. Here it is, folks. You can have access to Babylon. 
What is it reflective of? The hour that we're living in. This is the greatest Babylon has to offer. But I'll tell you what, we got another river. And we got a tree of life amongst us. That says, come and drink of the waters of life freely. Come and say, give me these waters. You might say, I'm not able, I'm not strong enough. You might even say, my, my faith is not strong enough. But maybe the tree of life is speaking to you this morning. And saying, it doesn't matter about you. I'm the tree of life. Just drink of the water of life. Just drink from my word. Just feed on my word. Just receive the spirit of the word and let it change your life and give you that health giving resource. It doesn't matter how you feel. They're all lying vanities. I was talking to Brother Tom the other day. I'm bringing this to a close. Actually, the musicians can come. I was talking to Brother Tom the other day. I said, I hate this, this COVID social distancing thing. Because we've been taught to ignore lying vanities. Amen. We just ignore lying vanities. But now they want you to pay attention to symptoms. Say, well, if you got a sore throat or if you're tired or if you got this or if you got dry cough or, or shortness of breath or all these kind of things, you need to stay home and you need to pay attention. You need to wear a mask. You need to do this. You need to do that. I respect those things. They're doing the best they can do. But that's not my resource. Hallelujah. There's no symptom in this body that means everything. But what means everything to me is what's written in this word. Hallelujah. We have a resource that the world knows nothing of. We have the tree of life made known right in our midst. Elijah, when he was anointed with the word for his day. The anointed word of the hour. And he needed sustaining. In that drought. He found a place of sustenance. Not natural. Supernatural. He went to, he went to a brook naturally. And that brook dried up. But there was a woman. A widow. That God had spoken to. That God says, I'm going to tap you into a resource that you don't know anything of. And God provided her the oil. And God provided her the meal. Because God was providing sustaining strength. Not from this realm. But from another realm. When Israel was going through the wilderness. And run out of food. What did God say? I'll send you food. Not I'll send you how to grow crops. I'll send you food. When they run out of water. What did God say? Moses strike the rock. And Moses smote the rock and God sent a river, a gusher of water down into Israel. A water they knew nothing of before because God was their provider. Hallelujah. It isn't even that we had to have to go to the angel, but Elijah under threat of Jezebel, he runs into the wilderness under a nervous prostration, Brother Branham calls it. We could say a nervous breakdown. And he's out there in the wilderness and he's tired. He's wore out and he's under the juniper tree and says, God, just take my life. Like Monday mornings after preaching. And he's, and he's laying there and he says, you know, just take me off the scene, Lord. I'm done. My ministry's over. They're trying to kill me anyway. Just take me off. God sends an angel. Brother Bram says, let me send an angel with the softest hands. Hallelujah. Elijah thought my life stream is done. God sent an angel with water and with food. But God wasn't done. Then the angel says, then Elijah went on the strength of that food out into the wilderness to a cave. 
Because we're not just tapped into an angel. We're not just tapped into a messenger. We're tapped into the very tree of life. Hallelujah. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Amen. The life comes from the vine. If, uh, if He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Brother Branham says, I'm the vine. If you play softly, there is a river, please. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branch that cuts itself off, lets some little denominational worm run and cuts the life stream off, that branch withers and will be burned. But when a good healthy vine or branch is flowed into the vine, the branch will bear the same kind of life that's in the vine. Hallelujah. He's the tree of life. We are branches of the tree of life. He's the vine. We're the branches. He says if it's a peach tree vine, it'll bear peach tree fruit. It'll bear peaches. If it's a grape vine, it'll bear grapes. A pumpkin will bear pumpkins. If it's a watermelon, it'll bear watermelons. The life that's in it proves what it is. And if you're a son of God, you will bear the life of God. Because you're a branch of the tree of life. The Euphrates, Babylon, has run dry. It's over. That's no secret to the bride. But it's over. Do you really realize? Since the Second World War, those powers have been loosed. Under the sixth vial, the rivers announced to run dry. In other words, the source of life of the very civilization. What can happen then? It can only perish. But don't feel sad for it. Say, give me this other water. Be like the woman of the well and say, give me this water. If you're sick and medical science says, we have nothing to offer you. Step off of the tree of knowledge. Brother Bram says, go ahead and climb the tree of knowledge as high as it'll go. He says, but when it won't go any further, step over onto the tree of life and keep climbing. Hallelujah, because there's a greater resource. Let's stand together. There is a river that never shall run dry.
heads together here at the camp at home I want to admonish you this morning when God sent this message he didn't send a bunch of doctrines he didn't send a man with a man's stream of life he sent a river he sent access to the river of life whosoever will let him come and drink of this river freely it's not a popular river in this world that's why people that want popularity they can't hold on to the message because it's designed to be an unpopular message Jesus was not popular no messenger was popular in their time this age is no different it's not popular but it's life come and drink of this water of life freely if any man is a thirst let him come and drink from the fountain that's been opened as it were in the house of David oh Lord if you have a desire this morning why don't you just go to him and say Lord give me of this water as we pray heavenly father mighty God King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh Lord, we humbly come before your presence this morning. This world, the ages gone by, the labors of men and governments and civilizations have come to their end. Time has run out. The tree of life has been exhausted. The Euphrates is dried up. There's no strength behind it. And now it's failing. But Lord, we're not looking to that. We're looking to you. We thank you, Lord, that you've attracted our attention like the woman at the well. You've attracted our thoughts like Zacchaeus, oh God. You've, you've come by our way like the man of Bethesda. Like, like the man at the gate called Beautiful that Peter and John says, look on us. Oh Lord, we're looking on you. Oh Lord, we're looking to you and say, give us of this water of life. Give us the pure water. If there's a life that's polluted, Lord, let the pure waters flow through them. Lord, if there's a sinner that would say, I need life, Lord, let them drink of this fountain, oh God. Lord, if there's somebody tonight that's laying by the pool that says, I need healing, then Lord, may they take a hold of the hand of the tree of life. And Lord, may they gain the resources of that virtue that was loosed at Calvary 2,000 years ago to pour into their physical body, rebuking every devil, delivering them out of every captivity. Lord, we claim every healing. We claim every promise. We claim every portion, every part that is ours. As for our ambitions, we lay them down. As for our ideas, Lord, we lay them down. As for everything that we want, O oh God, we say, Lord, not our will, but your will be done, O oh God. Have your perfect way in every life, Lord. Take this message as maybe forced for time and chopped up as it is, Lord. But you know the meaning behind it, O oh God. May you pour it into the hearts of your children. May you open our understanding and cause us to see really where we're standing in this age. Oh, Father, give us of this water. We claim it, oh God. 
We ask your blessing, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's sing a verse of it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way. It's in the key of C, I think. When peace like a
but it is well with my soul. Medical science doesn't have the answer, but it is well with my soul. It's total chaos out there, but it is well with my soul. Hallelujah. It is well. say praise be to God. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. What a message. What an hour. What a light. The Lord has performed it. He'll carry it through. And it is well with my soul. Hardly don't want to end the service, but we need to let the people go. Is it well with your soul? Hallelujah. Glory to his name almost want to sing that down at the cross where my savior died glory to his name you got time for one more song all right i want to sing that old song down at the cross amen glory to his name we just got to go rejoicing amen amen down at the cross
his name. Hallelujah. He's so wonderful. We could just go through the whole songbook singing glory to his name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Good to be in the house of the Lord and good to be in your house at home with you and trust that God's blessing you today and every day. Amen. Glory to his name. Let's just bow and close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. Glory to your name. We thank you for the word. Glory to your name. We thank you for the light of this message. Glory to your name, O God. We thank you that you sent us a prophet, a messenger. His name is William Branham. Glory to your name, Lord. Oh, we thank you for your blessedness amongst us, O God. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Lord, we commit the people into your hands. Go with them. Bless them all along the way today until we would meet again. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. Even if it has to be from a distance, greet one another. Say, God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. The service is dismissed. And that is that this coming Wednesday, we're taking another step in that brother John Andes will be preaching from the camp. Now, it will be nighttime and the sun will be setting and all of that. So we don't want necessarily any of the week or anyone driving out to the camp and, and trouble returning. But the camp will be open. The number is 50. Hmm? Is, is this, who knows the number? Whatever the number is, you can go online and get a ticket. You have to book a ticket. You have to book a ticket online just like you do for here. And believe me, if you're having trouble getting tickets to the sanctuary or to the services here, so am I. <laughs> and my own family's having trouble getting tickets, so have grace for everybody. We want to see everybody here. But if you're able to, it's Wednesday night, the church will be open here. Thank you. So this, we will be here. Brother John will be preaching at the camp. The church will be open here, just regular like it is with the booking the tickets online, everybody that has a ticket. All right, so we have that announced. God bless you. God be with you. Service is dismissed.